From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Money in Your Life, the radio program that gives you the insight and motivation to be more successful with all aspects of your personal finances. Your hosts are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today's program will feature experts and intriguing ideas that will show you how money is actually operating in your life. Now, here are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Good morning, and welcome to Money in Your Life, a weekly show about the influence of money in your life. I'm Ann Hutchins. And I'm Brian Farr. Now, Brian, the other day... I saw a beautiful photograph which captured a figure midway through a swan dive from a high cliff. It was set against a really magnificent red sunset. And the first thing that came into my mind was, huh, that's what uncertainty feels like. (laughs) You know, as I imagined the rush of feelings jumping from the top of the cliff and then falling through the air and not knowing exactly what the landing will feel like. That sense of uncertainty is what many of my clients' conversations have in common. Will I have enough to retire? How can I prepare in this economy? I don't trust our systems. How do I secure my financial future? You know, I think you're right. Facing uncertainty feels like jumping off a cliff. And what you are hearing from your client, it sounds like the fear of uncertainty, a fear that feels like just like stepping off the cliff. Yeah, exactly right. You know, fear is such a natural emotion. Fear of danger typically gets us moving away from the danger, but sometimes fear can be immobilizing. And as we all know, being immobilized can put us into greater danger. Creating a sense of safety while we experience uncertainty allows us to keep moving forward. I've come to believe that effectively dealing with uncertainty is one of the most important skills I can develop for myself and as I'm working with my clients. Yeah, that's right. Our guest today is Barbara Waxman, who makes her career reimagining uncertainty with her clients. Barbara is a certified individual, organizational, and executive coach through the Hudson Institute of Santa Barbara and is a certified coach through the International Coaching Federation. She holds master's degrees in both public administration and gerontology and completed a Wexner Heritage Foundation Fellowship. Today, we're going to talk with Barbara about life's transitions and how she works with her clients to create a sense of safety in transition. Welcome, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning. You know, Barbara, one of the, let's talk for a minute about this uncertainty particularly in transitions. This must come up a lot with your clients. How do you address that? Sure. The first thing that comes to mind for me, and I love that analogy of this swan dive, is that there's really only one kind of change or one aspect of change that we can absolutely rely on, and that is the fact that is one of it is one of the only constants around. Yes, 
Yeah, that is. The only thing we can depend on is that things are going to change. Yeah. So it's kind of like Groundhog Day. You know, it happens over and over again, or that swan dive, a beautiful analogy, and are we going to be wide open and graceful because we're going to get down to the bottom, or are we going to be holding on and, and tight? So we have choices around how we're going to experience what we know to be true, which is that nothing stays the same. Uh, And so the work that I do with people has to do with understanding themselves well enough to know, hmm, what's my history with understanding how I've experienced transitions? Whom do I admire when it comes to how they handle transitions? What can I learn from that? And what can I put into place? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, um, the, what we talk, what Brian and I were talking about is certainly a natural fight or flight, uh, reaction that people have. Your brain naturally goes to a defensive maneuver. And I'm curious about how you begin to create a sense of safety for your clients as they face transitions, whether it's into retirement or midlife transition. I love the title of your your web web page of executive and life coaching for adults midlife and better. Mm-hmm. Ain't it the so, truth? <laughs> yeah, it is the truth. So how do you create that sense of safety for clients when they're outside of a coaching situation, out of outside of that hour or two hours that they're mm-hmm. spending in your care? Great question. Well, I, I guess the first part is in a coaching model where we work with people who are emotionally healthy, it's not so much that I am creating uh, safety for them when they leave. It's that together I'm reflecting how they're feeling and offering them tools to bolster their own confidence in themselves, understanding themselves well enough so they figure out how to handle uh, change and how to feel safe. So yeah. it's really not about me as the coach, but about them taking responsibility for recognizing the work that goes into becoming uh, friends with change. Yeah, I love that, becoming friends with change. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And, and how does finance fit in? to the conversation that you have in these transition sure. phases? You know, I think research has shown that people are more uncomfortable talking about money than sex. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> the last, the last taboo. That. Yeah, yeah, the last taboo. Exactly. So it always, it's always um, present. It's always, it's part of the oxygen of, of life. You know, whether it's, green bills or food on the table, it's always present. I think for a lot of the kinds of clients who might be listening to the show that you two deal with, I think about it, it's kind of like comparonomics as opposed to economics. Uh, We look at our financial health relative to others in our country, in our professional zone, in our family zone, whoever we're comparing to. So the first part is really understanding their financial temperament 
and understanding are they working from a place of scarcity. We all know people who have very little money but are the most generous and open-hearted people and it just doesn't feel like they don't have much money and it's not because they have things, it's how they show up in the world. Mm -hmm. And then we also know people with tons who hold it so tight that they just, there's not an openness to their sense of living in generosity, not just giving it away, but how they are. And that's very much up to the people. So it's not necessarily how much financial independence people have. It's how they are with their financial temperament and relationship with money. And do those tendencies tend to get exacerbated in transition if I have... If I have a lot of resources and I tend to be stingy, if I'm in a a fearful place, does that tend to get exaggerated? Absolutely. I mean, when we, you mentioned fear in the beginning and how that can, I think, Brian, you talked about how it can immobilize people. We all tend to go back to that reptilian part of our brain and stop, look, and listen to determine if we need to take off and run for the hills, you know, if our heart's right. going to start beating like crazy, how we're going to respond. So one helpful way to think about it uh, when I'm working with people is to think about understanding what's their financial comfort zone. Mm. And by comfort zone, let me use this analogy. If you think about yourself as a castle and you're in the center and there's a moat surrounding the castle and at the moat there are guards and they're there for good reasons. Between us, the castle, and the moat is our safety zone Mm. financially or otherwise and we can sort of move comfortably within that. When we get close to the edge, those guards start flashing and saying, whoa, danger. If you go outside the moat, if you leave this safety zone, here's what could happen. You Mm -hmm. could lose your job. You could lose your house. You could lose your friends. Whatever those messages that people hear, that's Mm -hmm. what comes up. So if you can understand the messages literally, I ask people to think, what are the messages you're hearing when you are in fear? Whose voice is it? Interestingly, sometimes people will say, it's my mother's voice or my spouse's voice It's my own voice. And then when we talk about, okay, what's the magic that's happening outside the moat? It helps people think about how to quiet the voice, push through the guards, and live really where the magic is happening. But it's outside the moat. That's a really great analogy. Yeah, that's excellent. I love yeah. this. So so just to, to come back over to it. So you're saying the idea of the castle is that I live inside that castle and that castle is my is where where my life exists and then surrounding the castle is the moat and that's the perimeter on the outside of my zone of safety. Right. And there's some space between us, the castle and the moat, right? We move within that space. Whatever that is, for some people, it's a bigger space than others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then the idea, it, it, this, this image is, gives a person somebody to, you know, I'll just stay with myself. When I think about doing something that's out there, something I haven't done before, something that's attractive to me, that, that I have to negotiate with those guards that are saying, don't do that. Don't go that way. That's too dangerous. 
I can I can get them into focus and then find a way to work my way past them. Exactly. If I can okay. share a short story, someone I Please. worked with, uh, and this is something she shared with me that she had done years before. She was uh, her children were grown. She got div- uh, divorced, and in the separation of all the assets. They sold their home, et cetera, and she was determining what to do next. And her financial planner said, well, here's what you can afford. Here's what you can do. And she said, I need to get away. I'm going to take a year and go on a trip around the world. Well, in that case, the voice was her financial planner saying, danger, you can't do that. You will be working the rest of your life. You can't afford it, et cetera, et cetera. And she just had this strong sense that she needed to push past his good advice and do what she needed to do. And she took that year, traveled, and she has no regrets. Now, Mm -hmm. she's working way longer than she may have, but she says now she has the wherewithal to do that. She's about uh, approaching 70, uh, and she said she needed that. It saved her life. And if, mm-hmm. if she had listened to the actual voices, and typically I'm talking about voices in our heads, this was an actual yeah. voice, um, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have trusted herself to do something outside that zone that for her was so important. You know, there's a piece in here that's really important. I think that the financial planner's voice, and like you say, it's good advice. By the rule book he was playing out of, that was good advice. But there's a risk whenever the topic is money, that voice gets louder for most all of us. Mm-hmm. Most, most people are going to say, oh, money, I've got to do that first. Then I can figure out the other stuff. And this woman that you're describing, she knew that her let's call it her soul, let's call it her heart or her life energy, that she needed to tend to that before she tended to the money. That's right. And you just made me think of something else, which I hadn't ever considered in thinking about her experience, which was her advisor was coming with his own money story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he had fear for her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and exactly you know, right. I wasn't there, so I don't know how much is wrapped up, but we can't forget that even people who are helping us, when it comes to money, we all bring very strong, not just values, but feelings and fears. And in the best possible ways and intentions, we may be sharing our fears with others in a way that's not helpful. Yeah. You know, we talk about this a lot. I'm reminded of uh, one of our guests who said, it's the come from that has to shift for people, where you come from that needs to, and and Brian and I talk a lot about money story and urging clients, anybody, to to write their money story. What is, what is it that influences how they are with money now, and is it time to rewrite that money story? Mm Yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting, it's, it, it gets into an interesting topic, and I love what you said about the client reimagining. She, that, her come from shifted. She knew that she had to do that, and she had faith, and that faith that something would come afterwards. What we see a lot is clients giving up their, not really their responsibility, but ceding to the expert in mm-hmm. cases of financial advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, a, that's an interesting, it's an interesting relationship to shift back. 
to the individual. Barbara, I'm curious, Anne brought up the question of faith, or the, 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 the necessity of faith. When people are in transition, they need to have faith that there is something that they're moving towards. Do you find in your work that, that that's something that you can, you can help people maybe turn up the volume on or get a clearer picture on that? Absolutely, and that's uh, going back to, Anne, when you were introducing me, and people do laugh uh, when I talk about my work with adults, what I call midlife and better. I do think it gets better. Uh, Life is so much more textural and richer because we have so many more experiences, and it does come up a lot because what I'm working with people around these kinds of transitions and understanding their financial temperament and, you know, how to get to the magic outside the moat has to do with what do they really care about. And the older we get, the more complex life is, the more things we care about, frankly, but we can't care about everything and do everything. So some of it, it's interesting, is as simple, sounds simple, but it's as simple and challenging as understanding what do you really care about. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you admit to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and how do, so we're we're up against a break, but when we come back, we'll talk about this what can you commit to and how how you can set priorities around given a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we do need to take a break, but we'll be back in just a minute with our guest Barbara Waxman. If you'd like to join our conversation, please call 866-472 5790 or email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr and you have Money in Your Life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfar.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr and our guest Barbara Waxman. And today we're talking about uncertainty and transitions. Barbara, before the break we were talking about competing priorities. Lots to do, you can't do everything and how you work through with your clients. What I see with a lot of my clients is that the in especially in the midlife and beyond, or midlife and better, as you call it, which I love, uh, there is a sense of urgency. There is a recognition that they are in the last phase of their life. They don't know how long their life is going to be. There are tables that tell us how long our lives may be, but we never know. And a sense of so much to do. There are kids. There are Maybe there are aging parents, there are things that they have wanted to do all their lives. Maybe there are choices, reduced choices, maybe there are expanded choices. How do you work through and prioritize with your clients in, uh, among all those competing choices? Uh. Well, we could go on about this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big question. Uh, I love that stuff. <laughs> it was a big question, and we can we can break it down however yeah. you like. So okay. <laughs> um, first of all, even though we don't know how long we'll live, as you said, I do want to say the frame of our life expectancy has completely changed. In 1900, many people have probably heard the statistic that the average life expectancy was 47 years old. And then lots of that changed over time because of actually infant mortality rates decreased, et cetera. But in the past couple of decades, what's happened is there's been this life extension and people are living longer today in 2000-something. Babies born today in the industrialized world can likely live to 100 years old, 100 years old. So lots of people have fear about wait a minute, now that they, they, they read these pieces about how long they might live, yeah. and it kind of freaks them out because they're saying, whoa, this could yeah. be a problem for me living this long. Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. How am I deal with this? And, yeah. um, so then your, your good question about competing uh, choices and priorities, and we entered the break talking about, uh, I asked kind of that question, just putting it out there, what do you really care about? Um, and that brings us to what's urgent, um, what's kind of a competing priority, and this idea of retirement. The first thing I'd want to say about that is that there is no such thing as retirement anymore. Retirement was created in the 1930s uh, when we needed to move people out of the workforce during the Depression. And that's when Social Security was enacted. And that was why it was enacted. It was a tool to enable people to move out of the workforce, to create room for younger workers, and give them the, what they call the third leg of the stool, the savings, the pensions, and the Social Security. So it was really a fabrication of sorts. And many people don't know that the reason it was 65 was no good reason based on uh, actuarial tables of the day, etc. It was really that we didn't know what age to make it, and at that time, they said, okay, who else has a pension system? And 
in Austria, Germany in the 1880s. Otto von Bismarck created one, and he chose 65 because no one lived that long then. Right. And so we chose 65, and that's why. It was yeah. the goofiest reason. The goofiest so, reason, and, and am I correct in that at that time there the life expectancy was actually around 62. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it also made sense there would be a huge payout. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, so and now the response mean? would be, oops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, in fact, the age is increasing over the next years. Yeah. Uh, but still, to 67 or so. And so what does that mean? This idea that we have so ingrained that... What am I going to do when I retire? Oh, and oh, I'll retire in my late 60s, call it. Mm-hmm. Well, I might have another 30-plus or 30-ish years to live. And the years that we've added aren't so much at the end of our lives, but in the middle, meaning they're vibrant, they're active. So it's not so surprising that probably the greatest cohort of entrepreneurs are baby boomers. And nice. why? Because baby boomers actually have the experience, the financial wherewithal or connections to start to look at what they really care about and build some sort of entrepreneurial venture off of that, sometimes for money, sometimes for love. Sometimes they're doing it because it's something that they really care about. So there is so much opportunity to perhaps have have work not be the primary anchor in people's lives, but really become one aspect of what they're doing. So I think that's what retirement really is now, one aspect as opposed to just this idea of leisure doesn't exist so much anymore. So that priority, people can let go of the anxiety around, do I have, some people say, do I have to play golf the rest of my life? Other people (laughs) say, oh, I really want to. We all have choice. Right. And the first thing, again, is to go back to what do I care about? Then it's understanding the expectations of throw away 65 and look at who you are and what you want to do and how you're going to take care of yourself so that you can do those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This seems like a really key point, point that you're saying is that for most of us uh, and for most of history, work was an anchor uh, in in the course of our life, but now to and and then there was a time when work stopped and retirement started, and so it was like a just um, either on or off. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is to to reconceptualize that that there's this next phase where work is part of the basket of what's important to us. That's and that, right. That and might that... be that might be ten or twenty years. Absolutely. And it gets to uh, Anne's original question and premise about competing priorities. We now can have really rich lives when we're so-called what used to be retirement because it doesn't mean you're not going to work for money. It might be that you work part-time for money. It might be that you do something that you really care about full-time for less money than you did before. But if you can prioritize what you care about, You can say, okay, I need to make this much money because I need to, I don't have enough savings, I don't have enough of annuity, so here's what I need to plug in. So I'm going to continue to do that, but a priority for me is spending more time experiencing the world and traveling. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to add that into the basket and shift work over to only a 
a, need, a, a necessity that I'm going to plug in. Then I'm going to travel. Then I'm going to do the other things I care about. For other people, they've been volunteering for years. They've been raising families, and they're saying, you know what, I'm 50 years old. I am ready to start getting paid for what I've been doing for years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. What I'm hearing uh, you say, Barbara, is something that I see a lot, which is a shift from thinking of life as linear. So you work, you, you go to school, you work, you retire to more of a cycle and that within that cycle, you shift the pieces and the proportions of the, the parts of your life. That's so true. So we used to think about early life, it was uh, this trajectory. We go to school and we become good girls and boys. Then we go to the right college and meet the right people so we can get the right job and have the right marriage. You know, we know how well that goes. The divorce rate is is 50% of the people. Right. Yeah. Um, And it's supposed to just get better and better and better. And then people sort of fall off a cliff at what used to be called retirement. When, as you're saying, Anne, life now is cyclical. We go in and out of the workforce. We go in and out of schools. The other largest population signing up for community colleges are yeah. baby boomers who are going yeah. back to school to either get a credential in something, take things because they enjoy them. It's we can do anything because it is cyclical. The other thing that brings up, Anne, is what I think all three of us have learned from the Hudson Institute. It's that cycle of renewal, understanding how change works and how there are four relatively consistent aspects of change that if we understand, we know where we are in that cycle, we know where we're headed, and we can help ourselves get there. Do you want to? Do you want to just talk about that briefly? The four quadrants. We could spend a whole season on the cycle yeah. of renewal, but but just briefly, because I think it's a helpful thing for people to think about that there are mini transitions and there are big transitions, and they fall into these four quadrants. So, do you want to go through them? Sure. And uh, both of you chime in if I'm missing something or or just add in the first aspect of the cycle is called go for it and it's where we all want to live and in fact if you think about it you can probably identify a time or more than one times you've been there go for it is when all of our engines are sort of uh going we know we have purpose we are doing the things that we care about some of the greatest challenges that are presented when we're just feeling like we're really in go for it is there's nothing i want to let go of because I'm doing things I really love, and the time management aspect is really perhaps the most troublesome. Mm-hmm. But we also know, once we think about a time in our lives when we've been there, it inevitably doesn't last. It inevitably shifts either in a big way and in a sudden way. It could be a death. could be a, an illness. It could be getting fired. Or it shifts in some sort of slow and insidious way that all of a sudden we find ourselves lackluster and feeling what they call in in the cycle out of sync. Uh, It's called the doldrums. And Anne, you're the sailor, right? What what does the doldrums mean? 
the doldrums mean there's no wind in the sails. Oh, that's right. So yeah. flat and calm really, and no wind. And it's well, I always say it's a very un-American place to be because when we greet one another, <laughs> we typically hi, how are you? I'm busy. It's not a time <laughs> where people are like, hey, I'm busy. You know, you're just saying, yeah, I'm in the doldrums. I uh, I really don't have a lot going on. I'm not feeling good about it. <laughs> So, one of the most challenging parts about being in the doldrums is it's one of those times that you can't push through it. People only get through it when they actually accept it, but when someone's there, it's really hard to do because they don't want to be there. But that does, fortunately, transition to that next stage, which is almost like imagining the little buds on the trees starting to come out right before spring. It's mm-hmm. called cocooning, and it's this time where people start to feel like they're coming out of the deepest winter and feeling like, oh, I'm not ready, I don't know, but maybe I could think about this. And they just start to do activities that, or think through or read more things to start to Imagine that things can get better, and that will shift to the fourth stage, which is called getting ready, when it's like, okay, I have these ideas, now let me experiment, let me network, let me uh, take a class to feel that I, I really understand this area enough. Um, I work with a lot of people who want to get social marketing uh, on their radar screen and on their resume, so it's really getting ready. Mm-hmm. For taking that step, which is then circling back to go for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and as you said, they can be you can they can be big transitions, or they can be just mini transitions, and it can be in any phase of your life. That's right. In any phase of your life, in any age of your life, in any area of your life, too. It could be your personal life, or it could be your working life, and it could be your money life. You know, there could be a cycle for your money life if you're thrown into a transition by an event that's completely out of your control, like the recent economic meltdown. Right? Absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking that, you know, so many people that I work with including people in the financial services industry, have been decimated. Yeah. And talk about going into the doldrums. They had a plan and an attachment to that plan based on a certain sense of financial security. And they talk about a belly blow. I mean, it's really a shift. And so yeah. people are having to understand, again, going back to where we started this show, What's their relationship with change? What's their financial temperament? How do they look at their comfort zone to say how much risk are they willing to take? How much rebuilding do they feel they need to do? What do they really care about? We go back to the same basic principles mm-hmm. that are so important in figuring out what for each of us is a life well-lived. Exactly, and we also go back, I love the phrase that you used at the beginning, comparonomics. Hmm. You know, for, for a lot of people, it's an important thing to realize that that's what's driving some of their financial choices. Yeah, there's a great little story, I don't, uh, many people may have heard, but it speaks to this comparonomics kind of thing, and it's a story about someone who goes on vacation and is on a beach in a, near a fishing village and sees this local fisherman bring in a catch at lunchtime. 
And he walks over, and he's talking to the fisherman, and he asked about the work, and the fisherman said, it's good work. I know the ocean. The ocean speaks to me. It doesn't take me too long to catch some good fish to sell. And it's lunchtime, so this guy's asking the fisherman, why don't you stay out a little longer and bring in more? And the fisherman replies, it's enough for me and my family. I sleep well. I play with my children. I take a siesta with my wife. And I stroll into the village and meet friends to drink wine and play guitar. It's a good life. And this American um, says, I can help you. I have an MBA. I can help you. <laughs> you know, you, I can see that you do have this relationship with the ocean. And I can help you figure out if you get a bigger boat, you can catch more and you can buy more boats. <laughs> and then you can have an annuity from all the other fishermen coming in and doing this and eventually sell the business and have more time oh and relax. And the fisherman said, how long would this take? And he said, you know, it, it would only take maybe 10 years, five to 10 years. <laughs> and then what would I have, the fisherman asks. He said, well, then you will have time. You can be with your wife and you can be with your friends <laughs> wow. and you can drink. And didn't even realize what he was saying, of course, right? And the fisherman said, isn't that what I already have? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's but, perfect. What a great story. That is. And we get so caught up in the, um, that storyline that you're saying, the, the MBA fella, and that's, that's our cultural uh, norm. That's what we see on the magazines. That's what we see in the TV. That's, like the, that's what the heroes are doing is setting aside dinner with a spouse, time with their children for 10 years or 20 years while they build something so that then they can buy dinner with their spouse and time with their children. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. this person, a part of the story is, was truly caring and feeling like, here's how I can make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes also as Americans, this is how we feel we can make the world better. And I think we need to question our assumptions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's, it's when you were describing the... Uh, uh, go for it the, um, in the cycle of renewal, the first stage, that that's the very American stage, that we're, we're out there, we're doing it like your man with the MBA, um, but then the, the, the figuring out what we really care about, the man on the beach already knew what was important to him, mm-hmm. already knew what he cared about, and he stopped fishing so that he had time to come in and t- you know, enjoy his day. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a real exploration, and I think that the doldrums, uh, let's come back to that after the break. We need to stop here for a moment. But the doldrums are the section in the cycle of renewal where we can really get in touch with what we really care about. Yes. That's, that's the one where we slow down enough. Okay, Barbara, we'll be back in just a minute. Um, if you would like to join our conversation today, please call 866-472-5790 or email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Brian Farr with co-host Ann Hutchins, and you have Money in Your Life. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. 
Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Anne Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Anne's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Brian Farr with my co-host Ann Hutchins and our guest Barbara Waxman. Before we go on today, I want to bring attention to Barbara's website. If you're interested in learning more about her work, you can reach her at barbarawaxman.com. So it's just barbarawaxman.com. Let's see, right before the break, we were talking about the cycle of renewal. And the four stages in the cycle are go for it, doldrums, cocooning, and then getting ready, and that loops back into go for it again. Barbara, let's talk about doldrums. It seems that's the, 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 the one that we're least comfortable with, we want to get through quickly, but if we get through it too quickly, we miss the opportunity to find out what we really care about. Mm-hmm. How do you work with clients when they're in the doldrums? Uh, it's, it's challenging because uh, I care so much about my clients, of course, and it's hard to see people in pain, and it's that kind of time. Uh, I also have to give them sometimes some tough messages, like people will come to me in the doldrums when they're out of a job, and they're saying, okay, I've got a family that I've got to support. I need to get a job in 12 weeks, and I need to be the messenger to say, would you hire yourself right now? Are Mm -hmm. you in game shape for becoming the corporate athlete or the entrepreneurial athlete you want to be because in order to be successful in work and home life, we need to feel like we're thriving. And certainly the doldrums are not a time when we feel like we're thriving. So perhaps the most helpful, if I can share a tool so people here can actually say, oh, I've got something I can work with, helpful tool I share with clients in the doldrums is something... uh, and people can email me, and I can send it to them, called the Thriving Quiz. And it's a simple 20-question quiz that looks at the four areas, not of the cycle of renewal, but the four areas that enables people to feel like they're thriving. And that is looking at your physical self, and that is the most foundational, your intellectual self, 
and that helps people have mental energy, clarity, and focus. If we've ever heard of, you know, senior moments, there are ways to avoid that, and we need that when we're in the doldrums. So it's our physical, intellectual, emotional self. When we've had a belly blow, either it's been insidious over a long term or something quick that puts us in the doldrums, we need to emotionally recover and recognize that. And that's particularly difficult because people don't like to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But they need Mm -hmm. to recognize how hurt they are and to be able to talk about that. And then finally, looking at their sense of spiritual or purposeful energy. And when we look at those, the spiritual, the intellectual, the physical, and the emotional parts of ourselves, and we can answer these questions, then we can get ourselves back to a state where we feel like we're thriving Mm -hmm. and shift out um, of the doldrums towards cocooning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Barbara, in that... uh the thriving quiz, one of the pressures that you talked about is clients coming in transition and maybe they've just lost their job. So the fear may be, I don't have enough, I don't have savings, I don't have enough. Does this thriving quiz surface those what is enough The questions? Uh, that's a good, you mean in a financial sense? Yeah. I don't, that's a very good question, and it's, that, that is not something uh, necessarily that's asked uh, because from the most foundational level, if someone has their, uh, their mojo going, mm-hmm. then they can address some of the financial issues. And the Thriving Quiz is more or less to, to help people figure out how to get their mojo back on. Okay. So the doldrums... Yeah, the doldrums may be a place to be careful about the conversation around money, but it still is a place to surface that. It's a place to surface it. And in some ways, when I'm surfacing a conversation about money in the doldrums, what I'm saying to people is, let's park this conversation in this fear right now because Mm -hmm. things are not clear. You're kind of fuzzy about everything. You don't feel great. You don't mm-hmm. feel purposeful. You know, people are kind of down. So it's not the best time to make important decisions or judgments. Yeah, that's really great because one of the things that I've seen in the doldrums is an increasing uh, tendency to give over responsibility to an advisor who may not have mm-hmm. your best interest at heart, for example. Mm-hmm. So you want to create a, what I what I do with clients is create a little bit of safety, just touching on that a little bit to say, you know, it's not a time to make big financial decisions, but let's make sure you're safe where you are. That's a great point. I think it might come back to what we were talking about earlier, that the the tendency in our culture is for the financial concern to get front and center attention. Yeah. And so, part of the task in the doldrums would be to set aside, set that aside. I think that's just what you'd said, Barbara. Is like let's step away from our concerns about the money for for a bit. Do the thriving quiz, get a get a sense of how we can really get our mojo back, and then then return to the question around finances. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because people will see, and once we have a discussion about 
what helps people thrive and then look at money, they recognize, yeah, I may have some different opinions when I come out because, Barb, really, right now I'm not my best self. Mm-hmm. And they know they need to be their best self, but they also need, and what you're saying, which is to know, okay, what do you need to do right now just to park the financial conversation enough of a way that it's safe? It's yeah. safely parked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's mm-hmm. an important element. Okay. Okay, so that's that's the we've got a specific thing, and and so once again, if people go to your uh, website, they can email you through your contact form there yes. and get the thriving quiz. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm wanting to push on. So that's a way to address the doldrums. The next one, cocooning, where the bud, it's like buds coming out in the springtime, is mm-hmm. one analogy you used. It would seem like that is an equally important one, and one that we could rush past. We can yes. jump qu- too quickly into the next thing. How do you work with people during the cocooning phase? Well, that's really fun because cocooning <laughs> is when people are ready. They start to feel their mojo kind of coming back. And so in a way, they're busy with the cocooning, which is working from the inside out. So they're thinking about, okay, I have some ideas about what feels purposeful for me. Let me read more about it. Let me, let me read more about taking a three-month sabbatical and working in Africa because I love photography and there's um, a, a project. I have a client who went with a researcher and for free, you know, offered to do this almost like an internship and took photographs because he loved photography. That was something during cocooning that he was sort of exploring these ideas. He found that. It's a great time to start to kind of put your mojo to work. And a lot of people say, I'm going to take this time and get myself physically into shape. I'm going to get enough sleep. I'm going to eat well. So it's, it's wonderful because it's actually beginning to do those things that help us feel great while also then <clears throat> enabling us to find clarity. Mm-hmm. The word the word that comes to my mind as I'm hearing you to describe this is curiosity. Allow mm-hmm. yourself to be curious, not just use the mojo to jump in into the next thing, but but hold a space to be curious and explore three or four things before you move on into that next. This is it. I'm going to go forward. I love that because that ties back also to what Anne was talking about with the urgent urgency for uh, need for change and competing priorities. And this idea of, yeah, experimenting and not rushing because we're gaining clarity without the pressure of being there yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Barbara, as you and Brian are talking, uh, I love this conversation. I'm also mindful that I can hear clients saying, but I, but I have this responsibility and I have that responsibility. I can't possibly just drop out and do these things that you're talking about. So can we talk about some of the conversations that you have that, that begin to give clients that permission? Mm-hmm to recognize that they operate within systems they always have and that those systems change as well. Right. And going back, of course, it's all about change. That's what our conversation is about. We are part of the change. And the way we've experienced change before in our family systems, for example, isn't necessarily the way we're going to experience it now. So we've played certain roles 
and maybe we've been the breadwinner. Well, maybe this is a time, maybe, where that conversation shifts and there's yes, more of a shared responsibility around that area. Maybe it's a time where we batten down the hatches and we really simplify because some of this thirst for doing something sabbatical-wise, say, is so great that it's worth making sacrifices in other areas. So part of the understanding change is also having real conversations with people that we care about and with ourselves, of course, to say change means things are actually going to change. So what are we willing to shift? Yeah. That's now a that's, courageous. That's a courageous conversation, and it, exactly. it really does seem like it's in the doldrums, the cocooning. That that's when you have the opportunity to turn to your partner and your family and say, "This is this is becoming important to me. How can we how can how can we make that happen?" And prior to jumping in with partner and family, is with ourselves, right. really realizing that we're committed to making this change. Yeah, we are coming close to the end here. Of our, of our hour. And I want to thank you, Barbara. This has been really great. And just to repeat, you can connect with Barbara at barbarawaxman.com, and I encourage you to do so. And uh, thank you, Barbara. Yes, thank, thank you, you so very much. much. for having me. This is great. Mm-hmm. Brian, who, what do we have coming up next week? Next week, our guest is Meredith Elliott Powell. She's an expert on success in today's economy. Meredith has an exceptional business background that gives her the experience to provide timely, realistic guidance to both individuals and organizations. She's a coach, consultant, author, and nationally recognized speaker. So join us next week for an informative and engaging discussion about creating success in the new economy. Thank you for listening today. I'm Brian Farr. And I'm Ann Hutchins. And let's keep this conversation going because you have money in your life. Thank you for making Money in Your Life part of your financial plan this week. Please join your hosts, Ann Hutchins and Brian Farr, again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 